is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. We got a game. Yay, hockey. Two days off is like an eternity now. It is. It's quite a bit. Oh, you look very nice today. Oh, thank you. I like I like your outfit. You got nice shoes on. What's going on? You, what's going on? Uh, I'm going to go to the hockey game today. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I'm so excited. I've missed it so much in the last two days. I'm going to go down to Scotiabank Arena, hang out, watch the game. I'm going to the Islanders game when they're here. When are they here? Monday the 23rd, so two weeks. Less than 12 days. My All son's right. first NHL game. I'm very excited. That's cool. Yeah, looking forward to that. I. Uh, you found tickets. I did find tickets. I found two people with tickets. Wow. I know. And you told them you want to take your son? Uh, yes. That's the, if, that's the guilt play. Yeah, for sure. Because <laughs> if you said, hey, like, um, look at me and Kipper want to go, and they'll go, okay, that's 400 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> you got your son in there. It's like, oh. He's just six and he's never been, and I'm just a media guy. He's well, just a little baby. <laughs> good on you. Good on you. There We're you glad go. you're aboard for the next two hours. We're going to help tee up. The Toronto Maple Leafs playing the Nashville Predators, who come in quite high. They've won a season-high four straight games, outscoring uh, Team 17-8 during that stretch. They've lost just one regulation game in their last 10, 7-1-2. So this will be a good test, I think, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, no, and, you know, the type of team that has given the Leafs fits typically, right, where... They'll run into a very good goaltender. UC Soros had fifty or sorry, sixty-four saves the other game. He's been very good. They defend well. They're physical. So yeah, these are the type of teams that they've run up against and gone, oh, we're just not gonna be able to score, I guess. So we'll see. We'll see what they got tonight. In twenty minutes, we'll catch up to Willie Donick, play by play uh for the Nashville Predators. He co hosts an ESPN radio show in Nashville, and uh we'll get his thoughts on this team. Uh I've got my thoughts on Nashville. Mm-hmm. We'll also have uh, David Amber in about 40 minutes. Always fun to catch up with David. Of course, he hosts uh, hockey on Monday nights. Uh, between now and 40 minutes, I need to find out what exactly is the name of his show. Rogers Monday Night Hockey on Sportsnet. There you go. I think. There you Gosh, go. I hope I got that right. We will get that right. And the second hour, Jason York. Always a blast to have Jason York. He'll be driving. He'll forget he's on the radio. He'll say some really great stuff. Yeah, and then you don't know this, but there's going to be a segment at the end of useful or useless stats No, that I'm going to present to you. God, it sounds like a fun show today. <laughs> Can't wait. Okay, so as we tee up Toronto and Nashville, mm-hmm. uh, someone um, maybe out of the lineup tonight, someone significant, an MVP, a 60-goal scorer out of the lineup, Austin Matthews out officially from tonight's game. And let's start with Sheldon Keefe on our first Kipper's Clipper on the thought process behind Matthews having the night off. Yeah, I'd say he's just day-to-day. He's, he's uh, obviously he's out there putting in lots of work and, and all of that, so he's clearly not too far away. So he's improving daily. We'll see where he's at for tomorrow. Is it something you picked up on Sunday or just a wear and tear type situation with him? Yeah, it's something that's been lingering for a while. Isn't that worse? Isn't it worse that it's something that's been lingering for a while instead of just a little like, ah, uh, he took a stinger in the ribs and it's going to be a couple of games? Or, uh, 
I, I look at the circumstances around this, and I, I wouldn't go into that much detail yeah. on what you're saying. Yeah. And I, I really believe that this is a firsthand look on big picture half half a season to go here. Mm-hmm. That here's a guy that is not having the season that you would have thought when people are saying, oh, he's he can hit 70. He can hit 75. <laughs> what? Okay. What? <laughs> the heavy metal drop was Whoa. unforeseen. Derek. <laughs> Sorry, that was YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it could have been some worse website that you had open up there. We'll take YouTube. I, I thought, Derek thought I was going to talk about whether Matthew signs or not long term. <laughs> That's. Uh, I, I thought you. Get, yeah, I thought Sam was going on that. That you know. Oh, here we go again. Doom music. So just to get back on Matthews. Yes. The fact that uh, it, this isn't about getting him back on track. This isn't about him getting back to uh, uh, a fifty goal pace. This is your first official look at. We don't care what his goal total is. Yeah. We don't care uh, where he is on uh, MVP vote. This is geared towards first round of the playoffs. Winning. And it may be the start of what we see moving forward. I wouldn't put wouldn't put it I wouldn't put it past Kyle or Sheldon to sit there and go, we've got some nights off for some significant players here moving yeah. forward. Yeah, and this is the type of thing where it's nagging where they could play and you just choose what they that they don't. And in hockey it's for whatever reason, a faux pas to say uh, maintenance game or load management or whatever. We look down our nose at the NBA for it, but this is kind of the same idea. Guy's got something that's bugging him. Give him a couple of nights off. He probably misses Detroit if he's missing tonight. What's the point? I was going to ask, do you think he misses tomorrow night as well? Yeah, I think so. I do. Get him ready for Saturday night against Boston? That makes a whole lot of sense to me, Sammy. Yeah. You know, like what's 24 hours... In the scheme of things here, if you really want a guy to get something, something's bugging him, you give him two games off, then he gets an extra day after that. From a, from a coverage perspective of this team, I am somewhat interested to see what they look like without Matthews and putting Willie into the center Iceman role here going into tonight, seeing a, I guess, I'm not saying that I'm more excited to see Bobby McMahon than Austin Matthews. That's not the, the argument I'm trying to make here. <laughs> But just a couple different things to kind of throw yeah. a little a wrench into the day-to-day monotony of the Leafs season. It's, it's not the worst thing to see yeah. what they do. Good point. Did, did I not have this conversation months ago about the potential of Matthew, or uh, uh, Nylander or Marner being center icemen on yeah. this team? So it's, it's always you wrote a column, been there. a column, too, about the idea of, like, okay, if we're focusing on the playoffs – experimenting, seeing what you have, trying things out. It's about focusing on what comes yeah. on April, whatever it is, 17th or whatever the date of game one would be. And come on, how many of us envisioned at any point prior to like the last 24 hours of seeing a, a bunting Nylander Engvall line? Oh, man. It's just like, like it's three guys that can piss a coach off. <laughs> right like the bunting last game was sent down to the fourth line after a penalty he doesn't get in, in the coach's doghouse quite as much but nylander and angval certainly do i've heard the bunting and keith relationship is pretty pretty interesting you know that they're keith loves them but that makes it easier to kind of work them you know like to to lean on them and i think 
and I've seen this scenario before throughout my career where I know a coach looks at a player and says, don't ever, don't ever forget where you came from. Yeah. And you are not that guy and you're not that guy. And they'll watch you on and off the ice when you're, well, this is why the Tim Hortons commercial was so baffling. It's Matthews and Nylander and Riley and Bunting's there making coffee. And it's like, hold on. So, so you know the first time Bunting slips, Sheldon's going to... <laughs> I'm, 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 Derek's throwing me off with the drop-ins <laughs> right now. Well, the first one was... What yeah. was the last one? Was Big it... Mike. Big Mike. There you go. But... It's it's all about not forgetting where you came from and yeah. who you really are. And it's nice for your success. It's nice for our success. But if you slip and you start thinking you're one of those guys, yeah. you're doomed, I'm doomed. We and just, that's the Sheldon yeah. Bunting hundred percent, that's it. He's like, I want you to go do your thing, be happy, be one of the boys on your line with Matthews and Nylander. But just remember... That's a coveted spot, and part of your success is because I've put you there. So when I played with the New York Rangers, I, uh, it was still a thing whether or not you lived in the city or not. Oh, yeah? But Mark insisted Living that, Connecticut. You know, I'm single, like, no family, you're going to live in the city. You're going to live in the city. Messier. Messier. Yeah. But the only ones that really lived in the city were all the big cheeses. Well, Messier. You, <laughs> you got to have money. Richter. Yeah. And Leach. Where were the rest of you? Right, rest of the guys. Uh, in Westchester. Westchester, yeah. Uh, in the suburbs. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. But then there was always, and Coley Campbell was our assistant coach, and always, like, there was Keenan's role, there was Dick Todd's role, and there was Coley's, and Coley kind of played that kind of middle guy, as mm-hmm. any associate coach would do. Yep. But it would be, like, always that reminder of, you're not Messier. No. You're not Lee. That's great. They want you to go to the China Club. Richter. But just remember, so. you're the tag along. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know? Yeah. And if Mess wants you, okay, I get that. Yeah. But don't think you can run with those guys. Yeah. And you're not in that. And then every once in a while, the plane would land uh, in uh, in Westchester. And uh, there'd be a bus to take the guys. But Mess would have the stretched limo. Really? Oh, yeah. Waiting. For the guys to go back to the city. Yeah. And I tell you what, I would cringe getting up off the plane and watching 17 guys watch me get into a stretch limo yeah. with Messier Leach. And, and that's like uh, one of these one of these things just doesn't belong. It's total Sesame Street here. Yeah. And you know, it's so I, funny. Those I, shouldn't I felt, matter, right? I, you just chose no, to live in a place. And... I was always the guy going, okay, man, did I win a contest? Yeah. Did they pull my name out of a <laughs> raffle? I shouldn't be here. Yeah, about us? Hey, guys, but, the New York and, Rangers. And just does, the four of us. Know, <laughs> is Bunting feeling now he's made the switch from uh, a guy that you don't know? His next play. contract's certainly going to do that. Every, every and his points are doing that for him, too. Or he is he now in the mix of being right there with Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares, uh, Bunting. No, but there's a tier below. He Right? <laughs> you know, there's a tier. He's not. Uh, well, nuts are equal. <laughs> Great drop. But, but, but he's not like. But Sheldon's Nick, watching that. Sure. And, I, yeah, there's some, you know, 
remember who you are and what you do type of thing, I think. Particularly because in a, in a role like Bunting's, if you're not hungry, you're not as useful. Those are the guys you want scrapping for every inch and desperate to make a, you know, a push every, every time they're out there. So, yeah, I think there is some of that relationship. Okay, there. we'll watch that line rather closely. Uh, we'll also watch uh, Kerfoot, Kempf, and McMahon. Yeah, I think we're going to like Bobby McMahon. Okay, where do you know Bobby McMahon from? I don't from? know Bobby McMahon from... If you walked in here right now, I'd say the guy who kind of looks like Morgan Riley, that's him. But it's easier to look like a guy who works, who fits, when you're not a scorer. When you're a straight line, go fast, be strong kind of guy. And I think he can do those things. So I think there's a good chance we come in and say, I liked him. And, and there, there is a, a really... F- kind of feel good story here with him as well yeah because uh he really came out of nowhere yes he signed a two-year ahl deal just before i think covid and then the next season uh he went down to the echl there's a little background i actually need this as i'm getting educated he went down to the echl yeah uh and couldn't play there uh, so he got uh, sent to Wichita Thunder. Okay. So wasn't fast-tracked to the Toronto Maple Leafs no, of the NHL is no. what you're saying. And then last year, didn't make the Marlies. So I he went right to Newfoundland and played for, what's the... The Growlers. Growlers. Yeah, until late October. He, he scored so, 24 American League goals last year. This is, uh, this is a guy that uh, had every path... <laughs> yeah. every, every long path to get to this point yeah sounds like one of those guys who's you know a hockey guy like you know a fitness guy a committed to the craft type of person and you know that to me is like if you're looking for fringe people yeah that's you know i don't know what he's going to be or well, what he's going to do or what he's going to look like but and there are it's easier to have success and, 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 and just like you said uh there's a lot of things that they like about this guy a work ethic a good skater they say he shoots the puck well yeah I, I no nobody knows how this is going to play out, how it's going to look, but uh, at least you know a, a guy can look back at his career uh, up until this point and say, "Hey, listen, um, the road less taken still can get you there." Still a road, you know. The uh, stats that we were getting from Sammy before the show, like who do you think, listeners at home, has the most hits on the Toronto Maple Leafs? You know, I my my first guess was Sandine, but you got it. Did you not? Who has the most hits on the Maple Leafs? Uh, I, I went with, uh, uh, yeah, I went with a fourth liner there, Aston Aust- Reese. Yeah, and it's him. Yeah, you know, and I almost guessed the number of hits because Sammy said, "Did you give us the league leader in hits?" I gave, Sammy? I gave, I didn't give you the league leader in hits, but I gave you the Tanner uh, Janot, who's Janot. on Nashville, who's third, third most in the, in the NHL with 144. Sorry to step on no. your toes, Sammy. No, you're all good. So I, I, had, I had guessed 90, and yeah. what's the number? 86 for Aston Reese. Yeah. So if your role is defending and hitting people, every time a guy comes up like Bobby McMahon, you know, you're worried, I would think, because that those are doable things. You can defend and hit. Just take some energy and some, you know, and so I'm interested to see, you know, is there more from Aston Reese? Is, can McMahon make a push? Is he a guy who could Holmberg his way in at some point? That would be good. Well, you do here. You've got to do something. Here's the other thing that you kind of look at, and this is more of a Kyle Dubas thing, is that you have to 
in the back half also create assets. In terms and of deadline trades. A hundred percent. You've, you've, I'm not saying you've maxed out on them the last few years, but you've given up a lot mm-hmm. chasing this thing. And now this is another opportunity to maybe just add a little piece. And I think Connor Timmons is a prime example of that, where you took really something that was nothing. And no, I'm not saying that uh, he is now a, a, a nice bargaining chip, but someone are, needs a six, two right-hand are, shot. Is are, that a point per game or whatever? Are, are teams like... <laughs> more convinced that he is a serviceable player yeah. since he's been a Toronto Maple Leafs than what he's been through with Arizona coyotes? Yeah, absolutely. Right. It's a shame that this Nick Robertson thing has really gone so poorly. Because right, he was one of the guys that we thought would be an asset for them. You're talking about creating assets. Yes. He's an asset they lost Without a for doubt. no return. Without a doubt. Even if he needed to go back one more time in the American Hockey League and found a way to be one of their top scorers, yeah. then that would have oh, been 100%. enough for another team to say, he All just right. needs a change. You know... And it was a-holes like me who saw him score two in an OT winner against Dallas and said, never a Marley again. <laughs> and I think everyone was all in on that, right? Everyone was like, even the no, Leafs were probably like. I wasn't. Well, okay, but the Leafs were all in on that, I think. <laughs> or anyway. I, I, yeah. we, we did have uh, Cool Your Jets on this discussion. Yeah, yeah. but I mean. Mid. <laughs> I love that. That's a great analysis. He's mid. Yeah, he's mid. You know who else is mid? Hmm. The Nashville Predators. Okay? Yeah. They're almost by definition dead mid in the standings. And that's, I I, I don't know. I mean, I, get, I, I, I hate tanking. You know how I feel about it. But it's set up where maybe this is a team that missed the boat because right now they are in the mushy middle. Yeah, you know, that to me feels like David Poyle hanging on, right, with with a team that had some really good years there and just trying to keep it afloat, Duchesne and Forsberg and Johansson and some of these guys. And it's tough to just, I admire them for pushing their chips in to win every single year. They seem to do whatever it takes, right? Like this year, they're not folding, they're going on a run here, but yeah, probably not going to get a top pick, probably not much of a cup threat. But a pretty good team nonetheless. And David Poyle won Stanley Cup final in 30-plus years. He's been with that team for 25, hasn't he? He's been with the Predators, I don't know. Since they started. Yeah. He's the the only guy they've had, isn't it? Yes. Because it was him and Trotz forever. And then, uh, obviously, Trotz moved on. But, yeah, it's been the same him for the whole time. I don't know. I've always... They've always just had such a great decor. They've always been really, really good at developing... The like to me, if you're that's your market, you just want to be in the playoff conversation every year. Like, yeah, I, 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 you know, you want that extra revenue, you want that extra gate, you want to keep the the interest high. Like that's they've probably always what the owners are pushing. They've for. always been really competitive. Oh, stop yeah. it! They've always been really competitive, Kipper. They've always been in the playoffs. They've had a ton of years of them being really good. Like it's and not never close to a championship. Who well, is pretty close? Well, all... Game six games against the, or seven games against Pittsburgh. Penguins? That's pretty close. Yeah. 
once out of 25 years? Yeah. You know what, Kipper? I would absolutely kill for that. (laughs) I know, but you are (laughs) scraping the bottom of the Toronto barrel. Yeah. Who's the all-time leading scorer in National Predators history? Uh, Yeah. Uh, Legwand? I think it's David Legwand. Probably. I think he has, like... 590 points and I don't know I could look it up but like it's not it's like 500 yeah it was like well Florida just who you know who has a Huberto or whoever passed Oliokin Oliokin in like 440 career points or something my point is they are not a franchise who's been littered with superstars and you know that it's tough to get over the hump in this league unless you have superstars all right we're going to track down uh Willie are we not uh Sammy call him right now all right We'll get uh, some we'll get a Nashville cool. stats. Well, no, I got nothing. Do you want some? Sure. Predators are among the most physical teams in the NHL this season, uh, averaging the fourth most p- hits per game. UC Soros has the longest active shutout streak in the NHL at 90 minutes and six seconds, making 77 saves over that time. So elite goaltending. They got a couple of available guys. That's an interesting thing, right? Like, would you say that Matthias Ekholm could be had at the deadline? Like, if Nashville. Goes the other direction. Roman Yossi is there. He just got there, didn't he? Uh, He has 574. Leg one has 566. Okay, so that happened uh, last week. When we were were watching another show, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I think we were watching Yellowstone when that happened. Great show. Okay, let's bring in Willie Donick, uh, play-by-play announcer for the Nashville Predators. Uh, Willie, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. we're kind of, we're talking about the team that you cover and we're not sure what to make of them. Are, are they a team that can truly contend? I've got them in that mushy middle, can have success, but in all probability aren't deep enough to have it. Uh, let's get your overall thoughts of, uh, of this team this season. Well, I think you've just asked the central question that, uh, our fan base in Nashville has been asking really from the end of last season. If you, if you wind back quickly to 2020 in the bubble, I think that's when they really came to the conclusion that the nucleus from 2017, where they got to with the two games of the Stanley cup, the next year where they won the president's trophy and the following year that they won the central, but then lost in the first round to Dallas. Once they lost in the bubble in 2020 to Arizona in the qualifying that's when they started to transition. They called it the competitive transition where they've gotten younger. Now, last year, I don't think anybody thought they were going to the playoffs. They did. UC Soros got hurt. They got whitewashed by Colorado. And then they really had to decide, are we doubling down or are we going to you know, reset even further? They decided to add Nino Niederreiter, Ryan McDonough, so what they want to be at their best is a team that could win a playoff series or two. And I think when you have UC Soros and you have the team playing at their best, I think they've got a chance in the playoffs to do some damage. I mean, you got to consider how well Soros has played. If you look at yeah. some of those analytics the last three years, he's been right there in, in the top five anyway. Now, it hasn't happened in the playoffs. That's the next thing for him. Now, at their worst, they are in that mushy middle. The worst-case scenario is – you finish, say, 10th in the West, and you don't have a high pick, and you've got, you, you've, you know, you've just brought in McDonough. He's got three more years on his contract. Duchesne, Johansson, um, Roman Yossi, guys like that, you're still tied to for a long time. And I think that's where you're at a crossroads. So it's very important 
that they continue trending in the direction they are right now. After a slow start, you can at least see what they were trying to do when they've got everybody. But, of course, we're only about halfway through the season, so there's a lot of hockey left to be played. Yeah, that's, so what's going right with them right now? It looks to me like they've lost just once in regulation in their past 10 games, four-star games. They beat some good teams. So what's sort of flipped for them that they've found this uh, the recent success? Well, there's, there's, there's a couple of things. Number one, Ryan McDonough is now settled in uh, as Roman Yossi's partner. They're mm-hmm. both left shots. Uh, they didn't have that at the beginning of the year. And Ryan McDonough, I think, struggled a little bit. And he was, they were trying to figure out what's the best way to use this guy. This guy's a winning player. He's, that's why we brought him in. But where does he fit? At one point, he was playing on the third pair just to try to split up left and right because you have to have two lefties somewhere. They started off with him and Eckholm. Once they settled with him and Yossi, that's where it's locked in. And then you have Matthias Eckholm and Alex Carrier as the other pair, that's really kind of their defensive-minded shutdown pair. Now you've got a top four that they envision. In fact, when they've had those, those four together, they're 11-2-3. and three. Uh, that, now yet, that was interrupted because McDonough took the puck to the face against the Islanders and missed seven games. They only won one of those games. And Alex Carrier got hurt in the next game, and he was out. So they really went through a struggle there. But I think that's, that's where I would start. Soros, after a slump early in the season, is playing fantastic right now. And now you've got Philip Forsberg starting to score. He's got seven goals in his last seven games. So I think those are the main things that I think have come around. They're, they're figuring out how to get a little bit more offense to go with uh, sort of the backbone of the team that they started, which is defense and UC Soros. We're talking to Willie Donick, play-by-play announcer for the Nashville Predators. Uh, when we talk about uh, the offense, uh, I I go back years ago when uh, we saw a really, really good hockey trade, a one-for-one, one, and that was, of course, Ryan Johansson for Seth Jones. And the feeling was you had to give up something big. Uh, Seth Jones at that point had been one of the, those young guns that was surefire, blue chip, uh, star in the making. Ryan Johansson, a big stud centerman that you can't find. And... I watch Ryan Johansson, and again, uh, not amongst your leaders, but paid like one. Where is Ryan Johansson in this organization moving forward here? Is he still a face and a go-to guy years later after that trade? You know, it's a, it's a great question. You, you got me thinking on the one-for-one. One. Think about the one-for-ones the Predators have had. They've had. They had that one. They had Subban for Weber the following year. And then they had Kevin Fiala for Mikhail Granlin uh, after that. And so those are some serious one-for-one yeah. hockey trades right yeah. there where we can debate for a long time, you know, who won the trade, et cetera. But uh, on your question of Johansson, I think another thing that has recently trended is you have three very young centers that have started to – that they weren't in the picture to begin the season, really, that have started to take hold – and take a little heat off of Johansson and move Mikhail Granlin from center to wing. Yusuf Parson, who's a seventh-round pick, I think a lot of fans around here probably will see him for the first time tonight. We'll see how he does. He's, he plays big minutes against the other team's good players. Same thing with Cody Glass, who was kind of lost in the woods, injured in Vegas. They got him in the Ryan Ellis deal, and it took a while. They sent him to the minors almost the entire year last year. He's been really good the, the last handful of games. He's starting to play a bigger role. And then Tommy Novak, 
who was another mid-round pick that's been in the system for a while, a little bit of a late bloomer, he's provided some spark. All that to say, Johansson now has a little bit of the pressure taken off of him. And I, I do think at his best, Johansson wins a lot of face-offs. He can really help the power play. He can make plays. Uh, but, you know, like I think where you're going is, is he a guy that you can lean on as the number one center? I think they're trying to find ways around that a little bit. Still get the most out of him, but I don't know if he can be your 1A center going forward. And I think that's what they're trying to hope, that these young centers can, can relieve a little pressure there. Willie, one of the most watched players or most uh, must-watch players in the Predators for me is Tanner Janot. And I think a lot of people would say that obviously throws his body around. Physical guy, scored 20-some times last year. What's up with him this season? Numbers down quite a bit, but I know the team still seems pretty happy with his play. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one. Uh, if you if you look at his game, I, I do think, in fairness, he he went through a tough period early in the season where you're kind of wondering where where is the guy that scored all those goals right. last year? And of late, it's been really unbelievable uh, that he hasn't scored. I think the speed to his game is back. He's got that good combination of speed and power. You know, he can he can fight. He gets big hits. He gets in on the forecheck. You know, he can jump in on the rush. He gets tips in front of the net. That's him at his best. Uh, I don't think we were seeing enough of that early in the season when the team was struggling. Recently, he's been he's been better, but the puck isn't going in, and I know it's weighing on him. You, you see him in the locker room after the game. You see him in practice. You see him on the bus. He's saying, what have I got to do to get one? He thought, we ha- he, thought he had one the other night. It actually went off of Jeremy Lausanne's skate. It was Janot that made the play. But Lausanne gets the goal. So he's gone, I think, 30 or 31 games now without a goal, which is crazy. But I do think he's helping them win. And, uh, and I, I, he has been picking up more assists. But that is a guy that, if you're looking at secondary scoring, he and Yakov Trenin combined, I think, had, if I'm doing the math right, 41 goals between the two of them. Early in the season, nobody was really scoring at all on that secondary level. Trenin's coming around a little bit. They're hoping that Juneau can have a good second half. Willie, I know that maybe some Nashville fans have been scratching their heads the last few years, but is this truly maybe one more chance uh, for the Nashville Predators before something drastic has to happen? And uh, number one, uh, moving forward, David Poyle still the guy to to move this as a as a general manager. Number two, if they do miss the playoffs or get knocked out yet again early. Is something bold need to happen? And Yossi's not going anywhere, but our producer Sammy threw out the name Ekholm uh, as a defenseman. You you tell me right now that you put Ekholm on the market, I'm going to tell you that uh, Nashville can get a King's Ransom. He's that good. He's He would be that much in demand as a shutdown guy for a team uh, like the Toronto Maple Leafs, and there's a few others out there. Is Is this where it's headed uh, I think, I think it is a tough. Uh, if they if they do not make the playoffs the way they are built, I do think there will be a lot of noise because there was a certain amount last year. I think when when they lost in the playoffs, they haven't won a round since 2018, and so you know there, there's a little impatience for sure. And and Nashville as a market has only known one GM. There's only been one architect from the very, very beginning. We're going way back to 1997, you know, before they even took the ice. David Boyle has been at the top. So there's a faction of people that are saying, you know, I'd just like to have something new, you know, just for the sake of having 
something new. So I think that's an interesting decision that would be made. Uh, but uh, that's not how they're built this year. You're right on, on Ekholm. I think if they, let's, let's just say they have injuries, whatever happens, and it takes them away from the playoff line at the trade deadline, then I think you would have to look at possibilities of, of a guy like Matthias Ekholm or somebody that could help uh, you know, restock your farm system. They do have some pretty good players in their farm system. They, you know, they have the goalie that I think down the road could be a really, really interesting player, Yaroslav Askarov from Russia. He's been named to the AHL All-Star team. Mm-hmm. He's looking really good. They've got a couple other guys that, that are really doing good things in Milwaukee. But, you know, there's no question. They don't have a loaded farm system for sure. But we know how complicated it is with trades, with the salary cap, everybody up there. They've got some big contracts with term. But, uh, but I think that is one where you, you take a look at where you are uh, in a little less than two months as you get closer to that trading deadline. Willie, uh, before we let you go, I have to ask the most important important question of this interview. I, I have a an, uh, an good uh, source here that you were drafted by the Toronto Blue Jays. Is that correct? Tell us about your interactions with Toronto. Well, unfortunately, I didn't get up the chain to get to Toronto very oh. often, other than being a, a player in the stands. You know, I, I, I was a uh, the 25th rounder out of Vanderbilt in Nashville in 1993. And this is, of course, Blue Jays' heyday, right? Oh, yeah. Prime Blue Jays, for sure. So they had a stocked farm system, for sure, which is my excuse for not getting up to the the big leagues. Right? Hey, I was just blocked. They had... Hey, they had Olerud. They had Shannon Stewart. They had Carlos Delgado. How was I going to get to Toronto? Come on. But uh, I spent one summer in Medicine Hat. I spent the other summer in St. Catharines. And... uh, I had a lot of fun. I got some great minor league stories. We had some extremely long bus rides, uh, which I think I could probably be somewhat in, as a rival to the guys that grew up in the Western oh, yeah. Hockey League. Maybe not quite as extreme, but uh, we had some 10, 14-hour ones for sure. But uh, it was a blast. And, I, it, and so I've always had a little fondness. I, uh, I still got a little bit of Blue Jays gear in my, in my closet. It's aged a lot. I don't quite uh, fit into it quite as well, especially the pants. <laughs> Hey, Willie, you weren't like one of those dumb Canadian kids who goes to the draft and sits in the stands uh, forever waiting to hear their name called. The because uh, at, at, at 20, <laughs> at 20, as a 25th round, that, that, that draft lasted, what, four days? That's right. You know what's funny is now they do televise it. In 1993, it wasn't on TV. Yeah. So I had just graduated from Vanderbilt. I'm sitting in my house. And I'm just hoping that the phone rings, right? I'm sitting around. And, of course, this is – so it was the second day of the draft. And it's getting late in the second day. I'm thinking, you know, the phone hasn't rung. Is, is our phone hooked up? Is this – we have, I kept picking it up. Is there a dial tone? Did we pay our bill? And I was thinking, is this going to happen? And then finally I did get a call from our scout. And, and he said, have you ever been to Medicine Hat? I said, what is, what is, what is, <laughs> all these guys going to Florida and Arizona and New York City Medicine Hat. <laughs> but I was happy. I was happy. I was like, we'll, we'll pay for your plane ticket. We'll give you a couple of grand as a signing bonus. And, uh, you know, we'll send you on your way. I was like, I'm in. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, how do the signing bonuses today compare to the one that Nashville gave you to play by play for them? Oh, uh, well, uh, you know, at the start, it, it was not a whole lot of difference. I, I could tell you that back then it was $5,000 and a plane ticket. That, that's what it was. And I, and hey, I, I thought I was rich. I was like, that's this, all right. This is great. Yeah. I was like, this is great. You kidding? That's awesome stuff. Hey, Willie, uh, really appreciate your time and uh, some storytelling at the end. Uh, you're welcome on the show uh, anytime. Thanks for doing this. 
All right. Appreciate you having me, guys. Always great to be in a, a hockey hotbed like this. It's uh, awesome. Hockey game. Thanks, awesome. Willie. Appreciate it. Willie Donick, play-by-play announcer for the Nashville Predators. That was great. Yeah. I mean, th- truly, of all the teams to draft you and all the places you get sent to next, Medicine Hat might be the most hilarious place to get sent to. You've been drafted in Major League Baseball. Did, did I miss it? What position? <laughs> Ever uh, been to Medicine Sounded like first hat? base because he said they had Olerud yeah. and Delgado. Uh, first he, baseman. He was first base outfield. Yeah. So left fielder, first base. You know, my dad and played my father-in-law. Vandy. Played at Vandy, though. Must have been a hell of a baseball player. Right. Vandy's like the number one baseball program in the States. It's a yeah. huge thing there. Oh, I've been forever. Yeah. But I was going to say, my, my dad and Clark Gillies both got drafted by the Houston Astros. And it was Pat Gillick what? who drafted them both. That's and, true. I didn't know that. Yeah, and you know what they would do then is they would basically go to, like, Saskatchewan. they say, who are the farm boys? Good, honest farm boys. You know they're hardworking. Who are the big guys who, that are athletic? You That's know? enough. That's enough. You know, I don't know. Like, you know, the, see if these guys can become something. We're, dra- you know, drafted them in the 3009th round. Let's see if these <laughs> guys can play. They went and played double-A ball or rookie ball in Covington, Virginia for a couple summers. Really? Yeah. That's really cool. That's actually how my dad and father-in-law first met before the Islanders. Really? Yes. That's very cool. Isn't it? Really cool. Well, I, I feel like tra- there is baseball. I feel like a lot of hockey guys are good. Well, it's just they're just good athletes, I think, is what it comes down to. But also but, the seasonal, like, yeah. you have, you know, you can play in the summer because yeah. there's no hockey before it was a like, year-round I love thing. The, that clip of Sid when he was a kid, like, really young in his career, and they took him to, um, what's the Pirates Park? I forget what it's called. Uh, Com- no. Uh, PM, PM. PNC. PNC. And they took him there as a rookie, and he, like, Hit a couple bombs. Yeah, hit a bomb. It's like, come on. Love it. Yeah. Is there any uh, world that Nashville makes the playoffs this year? Uh, yeah. If, so. if we're dealing with 90, 91, 92 points. If it's that low, then yeah. West stinks. West stinks. Right now, the Blues and Oilers are tied for the second wild card spot at 45 points. Nashville's got 44 with three games in hand in both. And have they're technically in by points percentage. Way better goalie. Than both of those teams, right? That's that, that's the difference for me. If you're a, a Vesna level goaltender and you're floating around the playoff picture, to me, I'm always going to pick the team with the best tendy. It yeah. looks like they may. UC Saros, real deal, Holyfield, yeah. better than all those. Is guys. that enough though? I'm looking at St. Louis, Edmonton. St. Louis is getting frisky here, but I see up front. I see Forsberg, Duchesne. I know Grandlin's a good player, but... Yeah, but he's a third-liner in the Leafs, right? Or second-liner, I should say. Ryan Johansson and Duchesne are still your go-to guy leaders. No disrespect to either guy, but that's not good. You don't want those guys to be your best players. You'd like them... They've they've never really shown the ability to lead a team or carry a team. No, no doubt about that. Yeah, up front, there's just, I think it's the, what uh, Vegas struggled with when they were trying to, they first came into the league and did win cups. And they're like, how do we get superstars? And they did everything they could to get superstars. If I'm David Poyle and I, I don't have a good feeling a week before the trade deadline, I'm putting up at home for sale. Do you worry though that your time has run out, that everyone is saying that we just want to see someone else? I know, he's like 35, like your time (laughs) What's the difference between 35 and 40? It's over. <laughs> and it is the right thing to do, right? right? So regardless of what comes next, it's if, the right move. If they're putting Eckholm out there, Kyle Dubas on line one to me. Wow. Wouldn't that be I a game love changer? That guy. Love that guy. Oh, my gosh. 
That he's a game changer. He's a exactly what they need. And like I told you, they but I don't know if Dubas can afford that type of guy. I would rather see them just spend out the wazoo for the exact guy they need than, you know, Gavrikov is kind of Labushkin. Yeah, no, no. Just get the guy who's going to play in your top four and be a stud for the next four years. Yeah, and cost you your Six. next four years of picks. You think? All right. You think? I have no idea. Uh, we want to sneak anything else in? No, let's get the Amber. We can do some stuff after. All right. We'll got David Amber, one of our favorites, coming up after the break. Real Kipper and Born, much more coming up. Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. All right, we ready? You tell me. Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. I didn't hear Sammy, though. He didn't come in my ear. Is he usually? Yeah, I, now I can. <laughs> He's on TikTok. All right. It took a little bit of heat last time we had our, our guest, our, our next guest on, because I didn't really know uh, the name of his show. Yeah. So I'm going to take another crack at this. Let's okay. do it. Okay. All right. Uh, let's welcome in our, our next guest. Sports critics are calling his show on Monday the new Saturday night. Not to be confused with Monday night football or Monday night baseball let's welcome in the host of monday night hockey on sportsnet david amber mm, rogers monday night hockey oh, sh- oh sorry <laughs> sorry about that i meant rogers monday night hockey on sportsnet let's welcome in david amber oh, how do you do that was tremendous. Now you just got to watch one of the Mondays, and then I'll feel really good. I see uh, Cassie. I see um, uh, who else is on? <laughs> Anson and Yandel. Anson and Kenya. Yes. 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 We see you. Right, we see you. Start ya. over. No, we're good. Uh, big night last night on the show. <laughs> what happened last night? I don't know. Uh, that's that's where you take over the conversation. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, I'm gonna bail you out here, Kipper. Okay, so first of all, I love the the Ekholm take. I've been saying Ekholm or Edmondson are the the two guys. If I'm, you know, if I'm a team like the Leafs targeting that lockdown defender, you know, Ekholm's at the top of my list. But as you said, you know, what's it going to take to get him? And I imagine, as you said, a King's ransom is probably pretty accurate. I, I love that take, but I don't I don't want to commandeer your show, but I do have. I've been listening to your guys' thoughts on the draft lottery, and I oh. think I have the solution. I think this is like straight to Gary Bettman's office. I think this will work. I yes. really believe it. I love it, DA. What do you got? Oh, my God. You're awesome <laughs> right it. now. Bring I'm it. going to get something to eat. You keep going. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, JB, you stick around. I want your thoughts. Uh, okay. Look, there's three components we have to satisfy here, right? We need the fans to be happy because, let's face it, the fans are completely dissatisfied with their team's tanking. Uh, you know, we're compromising the integrity of the game. There's half a season to be played, and there's 10 teams trying to lose. I mean, it doesn't look good. Yeah. we gotta we got to satisfy the NHL executives. This is a business. we got to, you know, increase revenues, find revenue streams, find unique revenue streams that haven't been tapped yet. And finally, you got the players. You have to factor in the players. Like, why are they incentivized 
to try and win a game, ultimately to, to play well, to have a guy like Connor Bedard come and take their job. So That's the best point. Yes. How do, you meet, how do you meet all those criteria, right? So here's what I thought, and I've been giving this some thought. I slept on this, and here's what I've come up with. Let me know what you think. I think it hits all three of those components quite nicely. I think at the end of the year, you take the bottom four teams and picture this like an inverted college football playoff. So instead of having the top four teams playing for a championship, you have the bottom four teams playing for a draft lottery. How does this work? The season this year ends on a Friday, I believe. So picture this. On the Saturday, the, the, worst, the team that finishes worst plays the fourth worst finishing team, and the team that finished third worst plays the second worst finishing team. The idea isn't to lose those games. It's to win those games. And then the two winners on the Sunday play. The ultimate winner of that final four gets the number one pick. Why are the players incentivized? Because you say, just like at NBA All-Star Weekend or Baseball Weekend, a million dollars to the team that wins the Final Four. How does the league pay for this? You televise those games. They will be incredibly highly viewed between the end of the regular season and the start of the Stanley Cup playoffs. So so for one-twentieth of a million dollars, I get to lose my job to Connor Connor Bedard if I have a big weekend? You're nuts. I mean... (laughs) Well, no, no, no. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. I mean, someone's losing their job to Connor Bedard anyway, right? And no one's satisfied right now with just teams flailing around trying to lose, yeah. right? So this keeps the integrity of the game. And quite frankly, you know, only one guy is going to lose his job to a Connor Bedard. Yeah. Uh, you know, the other 19 are going to end up with $50,000, you know, a million dollars divided by 20. That wasn't going to be in their pocket at the end of the season otherwise. So... I don't think it's such a bad compromise, no. to be honest with you. I give you an A for creativity. I really I, do. I just feel like there'd be such shame playing in the toilet bowl, as they would have to call it, for the bottom teams to, you know. Um, well, the players, I mean, Nick can speak to this. Do players ever play to lose? Not really. Management set up a team to put them in a bad position to, to win yeah. a game. The players never go out there and say, yeah. we're trying to lose. I just, so the players, I think you want to win these things. Yeah. It just uh, it it would have to pass uh, the smell test through the NHL Players Association, and you're adding more games. And I just I just don't see it. I, I like I like the idea. Yeah, I think yeah. I'm 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 dead serious when I say it's creative. Yes, for sure. And I, I love the thought that that you're not rewarding just fading into the sunset. Right. I get that. But I just don't know if if they're going to do extra gates, it'll mm-hmm. go into a wild card for maybe a last playoff spot yeah. before it would go into drafting a player. I just also think that like your best guys, your highest paid guys. So San Jose's in it, you know, look at 50 grand or whatever. DA it's Eric Carlson. Eric, if we win this, you know, we got a good pick. And he's like, I got to play two extra games to make 28 grand after tax. I'm good. I get your idea. I get the. I, I like what's happening. What happens there. when there isn't a Connor Bedard or a? You're playing for McDavid sl- Slovakian angle. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now you guys are just pulling on. My my son is laughing at me. He's like snickering. I'm driving him home from school. He's doing the two thumbs down emoji. <laughs> to me. It's not it's not pleasant, guys. I've lost whatever whatever credibility I had with my son is gone. I, it's pretty lacking at the. I just the start of this conversation. I just I feel good about this. Listen, is it flawed? Sure. Are there question marks surrounding it? Absolutely. However, you know, I, we're at a loss right now. Like this whole notion of, 
yeah. well, we'll lower the odds, we'll, we'll make it less likely if you finish last. It's not working. And and how many Connor Bedards are there? Um, you know, this is a this is a rare year, and I get it. Um, I get all the points you're bringing up, but I don't think you're ever going to have a, a situation where you're going to have 100% of people in agreement. And I think, if nothing else, 100% this would be a ratings bonanza. It would be a league a revenue generator. It'd be if huge this year for sure. In. Yeah. And listen, if you don't want to play the 83rd and 84th game, which I hear your point from an NHLPA standpoint, don't finish in the bottom four. I mean, you're incentivized to win even more then. So you want, you want those extra couple of days to start your, your summer break, then sure. Like just don't finish in the bottom four. You can't really stretch it out to eight teams or anything like that. It's got to be pretty quick and tidy. And to me, two games the day after the season ends and then the final uh, of these bottom four the following day is something that could be neatly packaged. Someone would, you know, Sportsnet would probably be all over it. The NHL could you know, generate revenue. Those those four, those three home game, games could generate some revenue. The players get a little taste of the money. Um, I mean, I, I see some benefits to it. And at least you say a team earned the first overall pick. They weren't just handed, mm-hmm. you know, how dissatisfying. I mean, listen, every single year some team wins the draft lottery and no fan base likes it. None, except the team that wins the lottery. Yeah. Everyone else, oh, the Devils moved up 10 spots. Why did they get Heaster? Oh, you know, Austin Matthews, why is he going to the Leafs? You know, blah. And everyone else is pissed. And this is at least a way to say, okay, well, you know what? The players went out there and it was decided on the ice. Well, one team who would be more than eager to get into that tournament, uh, well, one fan base that would want to get into it, you was on uh, Hockey Night or Monday Night Hockey last night, uh, the Vancouver Canucks, or sorry, that wasn't last night, ignore me, that part of it. Um, but the Vancouver Canucks would love to, their fan base would love for them to get in that sort of situation. They blow a three-goal lead to the Pittsburgh yeah. Penguins yet again. Bruce Boudreaux, I don't even know what this guy thinks or how he deals with this, but what are your thoughts on what's going on with this Canucks team that just continues to find new, somewhat humiliating, humiliating ways to go through the season? Yeah, I was watching the game. We were doing the intermissions, Luke Gadzik and I, and, and honestly, it's it's... They went up 3 nothing, and Luke and I kind of turned to each other and said, okay, Penguins win this game, and we chuckled. And then the Penguins scored three goals in the next, you know, six minutes. We're like, oh, my God. Uh, you know, honestly, they could have been caved in much more than losing 5-4. to four. I, It was pretty shocking, the lack of defensive structure we saw. And whether you want to put this on Bruce Boudreaux, you know, I think you could put it on the personnel and – the fact that management didn't really go out and address what they really needed, the elephant in the room of that they needed to bulk up their defense. And instead they went out and signed McKayev and some other forwards. And it just seems like between the personnel and the lack of structure, it's a recipe for disaster, especially in this, in, in today's NHL where it's, it's hard to defend on the best of days. And we saw last night, no lead is safe, but when you're the Vancouver Canucks, it just seems, you know, I asked Luke at one point, is this a, is this a, a psychological thing or a physical thing? Um, and he said it's probably a combination. You know, they start their very first game of the year, guys. You probably remember this. They were up 3 nothing on the Edmonton Oilers, and they lost that game, I think, 5-3. to three. And that was it. The avalanche started on night one of the NHL season. Uh, it's, it's very curious to see what's going to happen there. And I just keep wondering, we're waiting for the, the first shoe to drop, whether it's a change in coaching, uh, whether it's a big trade. You know, everyone's talking about what's going to happen with Bo Horvat. We just want something to happen, and then we can sort of officially see the direction this team's trying to take because right now they just seem to be, you know, they're they're running in mud, and it's not pretty to see. We're talking to David Amber, host of Rogers Monday Night Hockey on Sportsnet. Hey, you mentioned – yeah, that was pretty good, wasn't it? That was was very good. Hey, uh, you you mentioned, uh, like, 
something to drop in Vancouver. And I, I get the Bo Horvat thing hasn't happened yet because we know where teams are up against the cap, especially the contending ones, and they're going to have to uh, allocate more cap space uh, the longer the season goes on to, to pick up a guy like that. So we assume that that's going to happen at the deadline here. But the mere fact that Bruce Boudreaux remains out there, I'm, I'm watching an interview the other day uh, and, and hearing – the, the the crack in his voice talking about there's still hope, there's still time. Is that the biggest surprise that a market like Vancouver, David, would just sit there and, and do nothing regarding this? Well, it seems so strange, Nick, simply because it's not the time of, of the season it is, because we're only halfway through it, as Bruce said. It's that this soap opera started when they lost their first seven games. The soap opera started... You know, in their first road trip, their, their first five games on the road, they lost them all, some of them in, in, in humiliating and dramatic fashion, blowing two and three goal leads. And already people were like, okay, this isn't working. we got to blow it up. You had Jim Rutherford talking in the media. You had, you know, Bruce Boudreaux saying things about the players. You had the players, you know, going back and forth. It got so ugly right away. And it's been, you know, 11 weeks since then or 10 weeks since then. So we've all been sort of waiting. How is this going to unfold and why is it taking so long? And there's been these sort of little small snippets of, Oh, they've won three in a row. Here they go. And last year, I honestly did believe, you know, that they could get back into the playoff case. I really believe that even though they were in the depths of despair until they, you know, changed coaches in December this year, it's just felt so different from day one. This team has just felt off. The chemistry has just seemed to be off and, and, you know, the whole, you know, bring in the new management. So, why don't they they're like let's get the identity of this management on this team uh yeah I, i'm baffled a little bit like you we all keep waiting i understand these are big decisions these aren't things you know you take a measured approach when you make these types of big decisions but it's taking a long time and you know there's you know again they're, they're running in mud here in a situation where you know had they you know acted earlier who knows and I'm not saying about Bruce Boudreaux necessarily, but just how they sort of defined what are we, here's what we're doing and let's go about doing it. Uh, maybe they'd be in a much better position to draft Connor Bedard, or maybe they'd be in a much better position to make the playoffs. I don't know. But the inactiveness of, of the situation is a bit startling to me as well. DA, I consider you uh, Sportsnet's Canadian hockey correspondent. You always have a pulse <laughs> on what's going on with every Canadian team. What are we looking did, at? Did you say Pulse or pom-poms? <laughs> yes, you're a Canadian hockey cheerleader. Where are we at? What's the assessment? How many Canadian teams are we going to get in the postseason this year? Oh, you're asking me at such a bad time. <laughs> it's a bit of a down moment, I admit. Oh, I'm sorry, God. man. I'm sorry. Okay, we'll call you next week. I was just I was in a text chain, and I just like, look at the last 72 hours for the Canadian teams, right, on on. On, on last night, Winnipeg loses in Detroit. Calgary blows a two-goal lead. Um, who else lost yesterday? Vancouver lost, and as we said, they blew a three-goal lead. The night before, both Ottawa and Montreal got shut out. It's not Oilers looking. Lost, the yeah. It's not looking. Yeah, it's just it's, it's not looking. Yeah, and exactly, the Oilers lost to to LA. It's just not looking that great right now. I, I'm I'm pretty concerned about the two Alberta teams. Uh, Toronto's playing consistently and quite good, and. I think there's, you know, definitely some positivity and optimism there. Winnipeg's playing out of their minds. They might be Canada's best hope to get the cup back here for the first time in 30 years. Um, But the two teams in Alberta, I just, I don't know what to make of it. You guys, I know, talk at length about about the other Canadian teams here. And, you know, Calgary, I love 
the individual parts, and I really actually thought they might be a better, more balanced team this year, but the sum of the parts, it has not worked out at all. They, they've, they've had two, three-game winning streaks all year. That, that's not what, you know, juggernauts do. That's not what Stanley Cup uh, caliber teams do. They get hot, and they run hot, and they bury opponents. And Calgary last night, another perfect example, against the depleted St. Louis team, a 3-1 lead going into the third, and within a 30-second span, it's a tie game. They lose in overtime. That's not what Stanley Cup caliber teams do night in, night out. And they've been in 25 one-goal games. They're playing a lot of close games. I'm sure that will suit them. You know, that sometimes helps the team, but they're losing the large majority of those games. So I'm, I'm concerned. You know, Montreal and Ottawa, you know, we, we under, and Vancouver, we understand where they're at. And, and, you know, maybe if the balls fall right for Montreal, they who knows, maybe they'll get Connor Bedard, right? They have their pick. They have Florida's pick. So they, they might have two shots at it. Um, but, uh, you know, the Alberta situation, I'm, I'm concerned. We, we, you guys have talked about it, right? Like they're so yeah. top-heavy, the Edmonton Oilers, and they need more balance. They need a Vander Kane back. And if not a Vander Kane, they need someone else to help out. They need a defender. And, and the goaltending has been, you know, questionable. So uh, I'm, I'm concerned. My thoughts were those might be the class of the Pacific Division going into the season, and, and I'm not sure that's the case anymore. For the Oilers, if not needing one defenseman, needing two. So let me ask you, our uh, Canadian correspondent, who, which general manager makes a bolder move by the trade deadline? Ken Holland in Edmonton or Kyle Dubas in Toronto? Oh, boy. Um, I'm going to say... At this point, I'm going to say my money might be on Kyle Dubas. And the reason is, it, it, you know, all signs indicate, you know, that Jake Mudson might not be back, right? And that gives a little bit of money to play with. That gives a little bit of leeway to, to move with. You know, if we knew Evander Kane wouldn't be back until the playoffs, then that would open up some, some cap possibilities for the Oilers. But I think Kyle Dubas, um, he's shown himself to be shrewd at times and to find – maybe some of this undervalued uh, talent, you know, like Mike, Michael Bunting's a great example. And he's done that in the past with, you know, when they brought in Tyler Ennis, they brought in different guys and you kind of go, hmm, that's been kind of below the radar stuff. I could see him doing something shrewd. And, you know, when you said the word bold, um, I'm not sure either of these teams can be as bold, let's say, as Boston or Colorado or some of these other teams, because I'm just not sure – you know, in the least case, they have the prospects to get that done. Are, are, you know, the, the Nick Robertson injury, guys, and you've talked about it on your show. I'm a frequent listener. I mean, that's damaging, not just because you miss him in the lineup, but because you miss him gaining some traction as someone you could deal ultimately. Right. Yep. You know, his value isn't where it would be. Uh, he's now just known as a guy who gets injured a lot. And I'm not sure they want to deal Matthew Nye. So, like, what is the prospect pool? What is the, the draft pick pool for the Leafs? What does that allow them to do to do something really bold in the Matias Ekholm Bo Horvat, Ryan O'Reilly scope of things. I just don't know. And I think there's going to be greater suitors out there uh, in some of these other markets that have a bit more cap flexibility. And Edmonton's under the same, you know, structure. They've got their same issues there. So I'm not sure either of them will be bold, but I do think Kyle Dubas has a little bit of wiggle room and he's, you know, proven himself to be pretty shrewd um, when, you know, push comes to shove, finding guys a little bit under the radar. He won't be as good on Monday nights as he is on our show, but you can still catch David Amber <laughs> on Rogers Monday Night Hockey on Sportsnet. Nailed it. Thanks for doing this, pal. That was true. Hey, guys, I love listening to the show. Enjoy and uh, enjoy the game tonight. It should be fun. David Amber. Thanks, buddy.
What a guy. Yeah, what a guy. He's a, um, I, I just can't believe he, he lost sleep thinking about uh, Connor Bedard uh, going to a team that is playing extra games. Do you, do, you think, do you think that would ever have any traction? The, so, like, here's the thing. Love, DA. Yes. Don't, don't want to be too critis- critical because it's good to think of new ways to go at this. That is just not going to work. <laughs> that idea is just not going to work. It's not. That's kind of massaging the fact that you think it's just a dumb idea. <laughs> What's well, good though? It's like one of those things. Everyone throws something at the wall. We'll see what sticks. That doesn't stick for me. You know, if you're the 26th place at team, at least in the he's trying. League, you tank to get in it. You, you, what's the motivation to play for varying guys? But if you're something has to get done. I stand with Da's idea. It's a great idea. I just don't even know how you can think it's a good idea at all. I think it's just a lot more realistic that they uh, invent uh, <laughs> qualifying go. rounds. Yes, like we saw in the bubble. Like wild card play-ins yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Remember when the Leafs missed the playoffs? <laughs> yes. Officially? I, yes, I do. Missed the playoffs, but, by but the they record got books, in by they're calling the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't so, qualify for the official playoffs. That we're, year. we're more more apt to see that. Yes. Then there's something to play for. Playing, players playing over, built to win a Stanley Cup, right? Over a draft pick. Yeah. Or for. Yeah. You know, thirty grand or whatever the it is after taxes or for Next a fringe guy is. for your job or and it just opens up a can of worms. And Next, you can still tank to get in that tournament. Agree. You still got to tank to get in that tournament. Next thing you know, you're bottom you're, four. You're adding games for the waiver wire now and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> truly though, like right now you're trying to get in the bottom four, right? Still, that's still the same scenario. So I think what you said was it yesterday or whatever day that was we were talking about it. I think. The everybody outside the playoffs gets the equal shot. Yeah, you miss the playoffs. Here's your you get one. You get one <laughs> kick in it. I think that's probably the best idea. Da's yelling just, at me on on uh, in text now. Fans would love it. It's an entertainment business, so, but, and it is. It, it's an entertainment business. No argument for me there. We no. need we need to remember that more. Not no, it's not. Wait, I just found it's not. Just I don't know what side are you on. I'm in the winning business. I think that's a very important distinction. The NHL doesn't care who wins. Would it matter if you can only win the lottery once every five years? Would that change anything? You can I don't win know. The lottery I, I mean, it would change something. 10? I don't know. Would Montreal be doing anything different now, not selling their guys or trying yeah. to. I don't I, know. Again, it, it really, you're going out of your way. McDavid wouldn't be no, in Edmonton, that's for sure. If, if your team's general manager is an idiot then nothing can help him if you make bad decisions yeah. if you don't develop properly then what are you going out of your way to kiss the ass of the 32nd worst team in the league yeah i it's it, i agree that we're like it's good to work on some sort of solution because it's not fun watching right now you look at the eastern conference or at least take the atlantic division you know, you have three teams that are definitely going to make playoffs halfway through the season and five teams that almost are certain not to. You know, at least the Atlantic guys teams are playing to to win by and large outside of Montreal. But you, there's just not enough teams that feel like winning is the important thing. Arizona, Chicago, Montreal, Anaheim, San Jose, Vancouver, Columbus, Philly. None of them are trying to win every night. Well, the players are, but the teams are. Not good.
Not good. All right. This will be an ongoing conversation, I think, for the next <laughs> next 40-plus games. It ain't going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. And we'll... When's the draft lottery? When we'll they whine that? and complain about it. The draft lottery? Is that, like, during the first round of the playoffs? Yeah, they do don't they usually do it, like, an intermission of a random game? Yeah. Exciting for some fans. I remember, I'll never forget that, the Connor McDavid one. And I had plans the buddies to meet up, like, downtown to go drink beers if the least won it. Like, and I remember sitting there watching that like that was a Stanley Cup final. They didn't get it. I, I remember watching the Matthews one like that, sitting in Old York in the West End. And yeah. just and the look on Shani's face when they got it. It's just yeah. big smile, but one lottery ball away from McDavid for the Leafs. Well, and didn't it kind of come up and then it like... No, so that was Lafreniere. Lafreniere, that's right, yeah. But the, they were... I'll never forgive our boy Chris Johnston tweeted out like that piece of information that, that they had like eight that, lottery that, balls that, that, or something that by insane. far the best chance going into the last ball yeah and they didn't get it with mcdavid i'll never you know what like i know matthews is great but i'll never i'll never get over that that'll <laughs> always be in the back of my head. but he's signing here when he's done in edmonton anyway so it's all good there you go specter on line one for sammy mckee oh. <laughs> mark a specter. shrink on line two okay we're gonna take a quick break <laughs> jason your co-host of the coming in uh, Coming in Hot Sense podcast. When did he start this? <laughs> You're not showing a lot of respect to people's programs in their introductions <laughs> here. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to ask him after the break. <laughs> okay, fine. Do it. I just found out about David's show on Monday. I'm on a roll right now. <laughs> the disrespect. Oh, stop it. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're just having some fun here on the Real Kipper and Born Show. Back after these words with Jason York. This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. I think that's my cue to talk. Oh, not mine. What I'm are you eating. munching on? You're a... sneaking in something on me. Well, keep the blood sugar up. Stay energetic. <laughs> I don't know. Am I old? Uh, I can't wait for you to see you in another... 15 years. I was never meant to be young. I'm looking forward to being an old no, guy. No, no, it's not the looking part. It's just the, the growing part. Oh. <laughs> you think my chocolate bar per calories, day habit is going to uh When the calories stop good. burning yeah. as quickly, maybe something Jason York knows something about, because I sure do. Let's welcome in <laughs> Yorkie, co-host of the Coming In Hot Sense podcast. You, you're with Wallace and Bobby Ryan on this thing. How's it going? Oh, bringing the heat on coming in hot. Hey, <laughs> it's uh, the podcast. The podcast world is a lot of fun because you, it, you you're kind of like how do I how do I explain this? You're kind of like Rick Bonus coaching the Winnipeg Jets right now. You just do whatever you want because you don't care anymore. <laughs> you just like Bonus strolls yeah. into Winnipeg. Strips the sea off Blake. We were actually talking about this on the show the other day. And, like, how many guys would have the nuts to go in and do that? Like, because if, if it doesn't if, cause if it doesn't work, yeah. you, pro- you're probably, you probably get fired. But he goes in there, it works, and they're winning. And, uh, no, it's uh, – well, the podcast world's fun. Uh, and Bobby Ryan's been great, guys. He's uh, he's uh, he's a lot of fun to work with. He, I, I'm feeding off his young energy, Kipper. So uh, kind of like you with Barney. Oh yeah, that's great. Well, that's awesome. So you guys have had a very interesting Sens team to talk about this year. Uh, give us an update. Give us the state of the union on the Sens. Where are things at? Where are they hoping to go in the second half? 
State of the Union. Well, it depends on who you talk to, Barney. If if, if you talk to the fans, they yeah. they they want playoffs. They 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 like the team. But if you're going to be really honest, at assessing the Ottawa Senators, they're going to be a team that, by all accounts, is probably going to be on the outside looking in when it's all said and done. But they're an exciting team to watch because you. With, with, with young teams, they make mistakes, and when they're good, they're really good, and when they make mistakes, they're big mistakes. But that's that's a young team. You look at them down the middle, they've got one of the bright young players in the game, and Tim Stutzla, who's done a real nice job stepping into being that number one center. He's a lot of fun to watch, guys. He's he is going to be a legitimate star in this league. Yeah, um, he's just turning 21 this month, and I, I I think the world of him. I just think this 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 current edition of the Ottawa Senators, they're about two defensemen short on the back end um, and a forward or two from being a really good team. But they will be in time. And and, this, and I've said this all along. I, I just think expectations when the general manager, Pierre Dorian, came out, I think people might have read what he was saying the wrong, the wrong way. He came out and he said they want to play meaningful games. And that's what they're doing. They're playing meaningful games. Meaningful games doesn't mean you're going to be a playoff team, and I think that's where a little bit of things got lost in translation. But, you know, they're they're right around that 500 mark after a really tough start. I think DJ Smith has done a nice job. Uh, the, the players want to play for him. Uh, Brady Kachuk's been a good story. He's going to the All-Star game. And uh, besides the last couple of games, they were starting to get some really good goaltending Um Talbot has, after a slow start, has, has done a nice job. So, you know, they're they're in my opinion, guys, they're about two years away from being a really good hockey team. Yorkie, there was a sense going into this season that from from people that I've talked to that there was there was a feeling that if Pierre Dorian didn't make the playoffs this year, he would lose his job. And I'm just wondering yep. if uh, if the sale of the team now almost can give him a, a, a do-over or someone fresh set of eyes, I'm, my understanding is that there might be some certain groups that would want to build their own hockey department. But yeah, is is there a sense that somehow, some way through this sale, that Dorian can actually stay? No. <laughs> okay. Hey. Yeah. Um, and listen, listen. This is. I, I don't want to joke around about. No, no, we don't. But no. That's the hockey world. That is how the hockey world works. Listen, I was a player, and I got signed by Pierre Gauthier in Anaheim. When Pierre Gauthier got fired, and the new general manager Brian Murray came out, I was out of there. That's that's just part of the business. That's it is a. Surprise here. I'm not saying something that people don't know. It is a cutthroat business. So whoever buys this team uh, is going to bring in their own people. That's just how the that's how it works. And um, I, I would be shocked. Uh, and I'm not saying Dorian's did a bad job. Like I, I think he's done a nice job with the draft. I, I think this team is humming along nicely here. But that's 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 the reality of the hockey world. They're gonna they're gonna bring in their own people, and it's gonna be. It's going to be a it's going to be a clean slate. It's going to be a clean start. I, I don't think everyone's going to like I, I like I like young Ryan Bonus there, who's coming as the assistant general manager. Like you'll have to keep some things in part, and that's that's just my personal opinion, guys. On on what I know, how the hockey world works. I know whoever buys this team is is going to bring in someone that they're really familiar with, someone they trust. It's all about trust, 
and we all know the the backstabbing that goes on in the hockey world, Kipper. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a vicious cutthroat uh, business, and you always want people around you who you can trust, who you know, familiarity, and that's 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 just the cold hard truth of, of how how at least I know how the hockey world works. And Kipper, I I'd be shocked if if you didn't feel the same yeah. way. And, and Borny, Borny, you you you've been in the hockey world a long time. It's just the way it is. You know, so where is the ownership situation at right now? Is there are they any closer to making decisions on that front? Uh, as far as the the sale of the team, Barney. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, so what 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 I'm I, I'm hearing what everybody else is hearing. There's been a the data room. There is a delay and people getting the books and getting in there and doing their due diligence. Um, so I timeline. Um, if I was taking an educated guess, I think talks will probably get serious in sometime in February and March. I'm hearing the same thing everybody else is hearing. I'm hearing there's two serious players. Um, you got the Kimmel Group out of Toronto, and you got uh, Andlauer out of Hamilton. Uh, those are the names I keep hearing. Um, and then whoever gets it, there's there's a contingent here in Ottawa, the Ottawa Group, who I know would love to get involved. But um, if I was a betting man and if I was going to put money on it, I I know with with Michael Landauer, he's he owns he owns right now he's twenty or twenty five percent of the Montreal Canadiens. His son, I believe, works in the NHL office. Um, there's a relationship there. There's trust, and the NHL. One thing I do know, guys, is when you when you put your stamp of approval, when Gary Bettman puts his stamp of approval, he wants to make darn well certain that, that these owners are going to come in and do. The right things, and so many times NHL has been burned in the past. You look at with LA with, with Bruce McNally, you look at the Islanders, you look with when 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 Lenny, when Barry was involved with uh, with Tampa. So the last thing they want to do is sell the team to the wrong group. And I uh, I look at for me, they, uh, Michael Roundlower uh, checks all the boxes that the NHL is looking for. So they're not looking at the Jim, John Spano, Jim uh, Balsilli group, then Kipper. You don't think those guys are? Uh... <laughs> I don't think the league would like that. Listen, <laughs> with what we've seen in the past, <laughs> just keep your guard up. That's Fair all. Enough. Fair enough. We're talking to former National Hockey Leaguer and broadcaster uh, Jason York. Uh, Yorkie, the name DeBrinket, a guy yeah. that they just absolutely gave up a ton moving forward yeah. for, now needs at least a $9 million qualifying offer, if I'm not mistaken, or he walks out the door. Where is he long-term in your eyes? So in my eyes, and I've, gotten, I've had Ottawa fans all over me on Twitter. Because, I, I, listen, he's going to get paid. Someone is going to pay him because there's just not that many guys in the NHL that can, that can put the puck in the back of the net, and he can do that. But when I look at the current setup of the Ottawa Senators and the guys they already have money committed to, i.e. Stutzla, you got Giroux for three more years, you got Brady Kachuk, you got Norris, you got Batherson. I just don't know where he fits. Because um, for me, the pressing need if the Ottawa Senators are going to take the next step, they need to do what the Boston Bruins do. Look, look at uh, what Hampus Lindholm has done for the Boston Bruins. They need to spend money on a legitimate top four defenseman. So, if they're going to go out and give DeBrinket $9 million or whatever they're going to do, maybe they, they give him a long-term deal and, and that number comes down. It's going to be awfully hard 
with the salary cap situation. And don't and don't forget, in about a year's time from now, they're, Jake Sanderson is going to make a lot of money. He's going to be a six plus, maybe eight million dollar defenseman. So I don't see where it fits. Uh, maybe they can get creative. And 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 two, it's they when you look at when I look at a team, guys, I think your important needs are center icemen and defensemen. They've already got guys on their team on the wings. Brady Kachuk is their unquestioned number one left winger. He's the captain. Alex Gabrakit plays the exact same position. So are you going to play your second line left winger, $9 million? I just don't think it makes sense. And I think on another team, Gabrakit, he's a guy you build your team around and you give him a long-term deal. I just... For me, I don't see the fit long-term, even though I love the player. I think he's a tremendous talent. He makes guys around him better. I just, for me, I, I think they need, to, I, they need to spend some money on that blue line. This was a first, a second, a third pick. Yeah. Like, how do you give up that much? Would you trade him, Kipper? Would you trade him at the deadline, try to get I would. Yeah, I would, yeah, yes. Yeah. I would. Yeah. So would I. I'd have so to recoup I. some of that, but that is a very big miss by Pierre Dorian. So, if if you don't, if you never envision signing this guy to a long-term contract after giving up so much of your future. So I'll give you my personal take on it, guys. In the summer... Here in Ottawa, over the years, it's been doom and gloom. When Eugene Nolik was was still alive and on the team, it was always a sell-off. It was always getting rid of players. And and they were really starting to lose the fan base here. Fans were getting disengaged with the franchise. This was the first time in a long time in the summertime where people were excited. And I think with the pending sale of the team, I think there was an agenda to go out there and make some noise in the summer to make this team more attractive, to make people say, hey, the Ottawa Senators are back. And they, I believe they accomplished that. They got a buzz going. They went out and made two huge moves with Giroux and Dabrinkit. I don't know, and this is just me taking an educated guess, that those moves were made with long-term future in the mind. I think it was more to get the brand. Prop the assets. To, to up the old pump and dump, right? Yep. Pump it up then dump it. And and I still think they can recoup something for him, Kipper. Maybe it's not made at the deadline. Maybe that's a trade you make at the draft when you've got more guys that can come to the dance with you. Um, because he is still a young guy. He's put up numbers, um, and you'll get more interest at the draft. So I'm with you, though. I, as much as I like yeah. him as a no, player. No, they're, 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 they're screwed. They're screwed. There's no, they're screwed. I'm telling you, uh, I, I would not. Why would you trade for a guy when he's going to be? First of all, his qualifying offer is nine million dollars. So it's like you're signing a free agent to a one-year deal and then walk him out the door as a free agent. Why would you give yeah. up meaningful assets to do that? So, so the the one thing I'm hearing is he really likes it here in Ottawa, which nobody ever says they don't like it in a place while they're trying it out. Um, is there a chance they can sign him for a less dollar amount? Seven and a half. Well, that to me, that's that makes sense, right? Because you can't pay him more than Brady Kachuk. Tim Stutzla is their most talented player, and he's a center iceman. You can't pay him more than Stutzla. So, will he takes if you if you can fit him in at that number? It, it probably yeah. makes more sense. But if you're to break it, you're a two-time forty-goal scorer. Why would you take less? Yeah, because you you can get someone's gonna pay him. Because he's a he's a legitimate he's a legitimate top six player in this league. So, 
Um, we'll see. Time will tell, guys. It's inter- very interesting, though. Yeah, anytime you got a guy who scores 40 goals in the league, that's going to cost you a couple of bucks. So that makes some sense. Um, you know, one place where there's a number of that, uh, of those type players, is here in Toronto. Yorkie, be remiss if I didn't ask you your thoughts on where the Leafs are at, kind of stuck in this uh, Tampa Bay Lightning uh, first-round matchup for half a season. Yorkie, they got 40 exhibition games to play <laughs> yeah. here. That is that is. Barney, you always ask me the Toronto question. That's what I love about you. <laughs> I think I've been on the show with you guys three times, and I keep telling you the same thing. Toronto's season doesn't start till the playoffs. This doesn't they, matter, they, eh? They got off to a bad start, and you guys asked me, what do you think about Toronto? They're starting, I'm like, don't worry about Toronto. They're going to win. They're a regular season team. The, the heat comes come playoff. I can't wait. It's the most exciting time of year for me because yeah. everybody, myself included, are, are fascinated to see what the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to do because that's the real pressure, guys. I, I don't care how many player of the games of Austin Matthews and and, uh, and Compi Tavares is playing better. Mitch Marner. It's we all know and they know it too that the heat the heat's coming come springtime. So I'm uh, I'm getting my popcorn ready, guys, and I am excited to see them in the playoffs again because man, it's like you said, Gorney, that, that that this division is tough to get out yeah. of. Well, our producer Sammy agrees with you. It's an, it's going to be an exciting two weeks for Sammy as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah good one. <laughs> <laughs> You're selling your style already. I love, it. Uh, I, love, I love making Sammy <laughs> cringe. <laughs> Not this year, Yorkie. Not this year. They're going no, all the way, baby. I think they're going to win a round this year. I do. Okay, I think good. they're going to win. I, I think they're going to win a, a, Me too. a playoff round. Our, our, I do. I, the future of the show depends on it. Yeah. You know that, right? <laughs> Quite literally, uh, it's hey, very important it, to me. It's good for business. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, at least you're not driving on the highway this time for us. We really appreciate that. <laughs> no problem, fellas. Hey, always a pleasure, guys. Love to. Thanks, love to Come on and chat, guys. Take care. All right, Jason York. He's hilarious. He is. So, like, when Kipper gets a text message, it, it, a Newfoundland, it sounds like a Newfoundland dog barking. And okay, it is a me, dog send, send pound a today. Send me a text. <laughs> send me a text. What? Just send, send me a text. Send Kip a text. Oh, okay. no, is it, I'm texting no, her now. You know what it is? What? Hmm. Is it WhatsApp? Here. Hello? I, I just texted you, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to shut it off. It is a literal dog pound <laughs> in the studio clip, today. I don't know what's going on. There's a clip on the side that makes it silent. <laughs> Done. Here you go. Silenced. <laughs> All right, what's now going I feel on? Did, dumb. Did Nylander get traded? What happened? I don't know. I don't know. All right. Well, Talk I do know. Guy. I do know. My, rather not, uh, my daughter's luggage went missing. Oh, oh that'll no. get you a few texts. And apparently I'm the guy to try to find it right now. Oh, yeah. That During fun- our show. Isn't that funny how that works? They're all out of hot dog buns at the store. Why am I getting a text about that? And I'm not going to tell you which airline because <laughs> I'm not that guy. By the um, way, don't be that guy. No. I try I'm not so that hard guy. not to be that guy. I'm not guy. that guy. I, what, the, the well, mad the at the that, airport texture yeah, guy? The, yeah, just like... Deer at Delta, the guy reclined his seat into my uh, yeah. row on the last um, flight. I mean... That, that's a very popular media thing. Well... Very well, popular And if you've got, thing. like, hundreds of thousands of followers, that's just yeah. total uh, entitlement, isn't it, it a little is. bit? Yeah. Like, we... Sh- 
we should suffer like everyone else. Right. Like <laughs> I, I have the Even number so. one most lucky traveler of all time. Like I really never have an issue ever. I never like knock I, on wood, but but no. Oh, I'm I past knocking so. on wood. I've been doing this for I traveling my whole life, and I've never lost a bag. Like I'm playing with house money. Way, yeah, way past it. Like I'm past curses. I've won ten cups. Like it doesn't matter <laughs> to me. I just brag about it all the time. Like I flew in, in to Pearson the other. Like when I came back from Mexico and I was in and out in an hour. Got all my bags through customs. Post snowstorm here. Yeah. Well, everybody told you they love the real Kipper and Born. Yeah, show. that was it. That was it, it is a thing with you though. The whole charmed life thing. You know, Sammy just has a really charmed life. You think so? Yeah, you know the right people just to make things. Golf and sports, yeah. and I don't know. You sprinkled in a marriage. I mean, <laughs> it's all good. One of those guys like Mister Bean that just stumbles around. Things go well all the time. <laughs> yeah. What's going on with that guy? Yeah. Yeah, well, maybe, right. my, maybe my favorite team could win a playoff round. That right. might be That's the, the cost, the true cost. <laughs> That's my crutch. So where do you want to go now? We, uh, you want me to I, do my... Well, just kind of want to revisit a little bit the Edmonton Oilers and the Toronto Maple Leafs, who once we get past Vancouver moving Bo Horvat, yes, the Winnipeg Jets are right there. But I just don't know if if they're in a position to be bold. Kevin Cheveldayoff is probably looking at a a team right now that probably has surprised him mm-hmm. that they were able they're able to now compete coming off I know a, a tough loss against Detroit, but they're right there. But how much bolder could Winnipeg get when you look at the pressure? of Edmonton and Toronto, like the pressure for Kevin Cheveldayoff doesn't even, it pales in comparison to what people are looking at Edmonton and Toronto mm-hmm. to do to go to another level. Do you feel like Cheveldayoff's a little bit like David Poyle in that he's been there for a long time? He obviously just endured one hell of a hurricane last season. Um, you know, is the ice thin for him if things don't go well in terms of pressure? I, I think that... Uh, Certainly a a solid season here and a playoff yeah. picture would kind of lock him in, I think, moving forward and, and give him the time to make some tough decisions with, you know, it, with Mark Chipman. Yeah. And that is, what do we do with Shifley? What do we do uh, to sign Connor Hellebuck to a, a long-term deal? Like so those Shifley, those are be, big decisions. And he you could got, re-sign this summer, Shifley. He's got one more year on his deal before this year UFA. And one more, yeah. So those are those are tough decisions. And it's it's not it's not Edmonton and it's not Toronto. It's not we're signing Mark Shifley at all costs. Mm-hmm. Is is Mark Shifley to you a ten million dollar player right now? Well, I think there's a lot of people, and particularly people from Winnipeg, who would say, How can you say he's not? But I personally, just my own preference on players, would wouldn't want a long term deal with Marshall. Like in terms of ten million dollars times seven years or eight years or whatever that might cost, just age goes into that and some slowing down. The, he's thirty years old this this March, so in the, two months he's thirty. And I kind of feel for general managers that the the system is really flawed. The CBA is so flawed. And for so many different reasons, but the one is you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't 
okay, don't want to pay Shifley, don't want to go the extra uh, years, go try and replace him right now. Right. And in particular, Winnipeg, that is a much larger challenge, and I think it gives the player a lot of leverage because it's tough to get players there. You know, we've had Mike Fuda came on the show, uh, I don't know, whenever it was, a week or two ago, and mentioned that he's aware of some bigger names that have blocked trades there in the past, guys that they've had deals, okay, just got to get the player on board, and you can't get the player on board. So it's harder to get people to choose Winnipeg because it's not Florida in the winter. Winnipeg is the birthplace of winter actually where they invented it. yes it is yeah. dave winter is from there <laughs> <laughs> that's, this, and unfortunately there's a lot of it the winter as far as the toronto maple leafs and the edmonton oilers uh, to me they absolutely mirror each other i see it right uh questionable goaltending superstars in their prime superstars in their prime need help on defense and people would quibble there Maybe Edmonton might be slightly ahead when you think about they get a top six winger coming back yeah. in Evander Kane. Yeah, but they're also bad right now. Yeah, they are bad. And they're 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 much worse on the blue line than the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, their right side is no comparison. So, not good. So if the Leafs are looking for maybe some help, uh the Oilers are, are looking for, like, a a lifeguard here. Yeah, they need to, the full their, their, their motorized head, lifeboat. Their, their head is below water. Yeah. Their right side is Cody Cece, Tyson Berry, Evan Bouchard. So their problem is finding someone to play with Nurse, and Berry can't do it. You know, you saw his defensive mishaps. Evan Bouchard is green and offensive first as well. So Cody Cece is the default r- number one right D. I'm... I'm thinking Ken Holland may be at that time fourth year on a five year deal. Like this is this is going for broke right now towards yeah. a t- and, trade deadline, and that hurts the Leafs. I think because they have comparable needs, or at least at this position, and their willingness to spend and desperation to do everything they can. Not to mention, you know, if, if the Oilers make a grab a couple of good players. It's not hard to see them winning playoff rounds again. Really not hard at all. Right? If they were to get two good defenders. Okay. Or a, I'm totally seeing what you're okay. talking about right now. And I think I think it's doable. I I mean, maybe it's a long shot, but of course it is. It always is in the sport. It's doable. Like and I it's two defensemen for me for the Edmonton Oilers. Kipper, the Two. number one t- teams in the Central and the Pacific are Dallas and Vegas. How much of a favorite are they with Evander Kane back and two new players for the Oilers? Like any? Maybe a little? Like uh, the Oilers can beat anyone. Yeah, they can lose to anyone too. I don't know. Edmondson, I for sure. Go get Edmondson and go get Eric Carlson. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm telling you. Yeah? Yeah. It's going to cost you a lot. But that's what I would do if the Edmonton Oilers. Boy, tough to be Edmonton and surprised you didn't say Chikrin. No Chikrin. Uh, I'd rather see Carlson and McDavid. Chikrin helped out. Carlson and McDavid. Oh my god, the speed! Like Sonic the Hedgehog just spinning around out there. You gotta, you gotta unload money though, and that's the key here. So you gotta lose Tyson Berry's four point five. That's a lot. Good luck. 
Ah, you can find some. Yeah, you can. If if you're if you're sprinkling it with first round picks and it's gonna cost you Broberg, their first round uh defenseman of a few years ago. Yeah. Things are doable, guys. Obviously the key there's two keys, and again, this is why we're talking long shot here is San Jose will have to eat money. Yeah, for many years. That's the, the problem. Yeah. But he's, he's he's showing that he can be elite still. You're, you're less yeah. scared than you were a year ago on Eric Carlson. And you want it to go the way that Matt Murray went with Toronto, where you say, we'll take less if we only have to eat 25%. We and want to get rid of as much the, money as we can. The other thing is he's got a no move. He has to say, I want to go play with McDavid, yeah. where it's really cold. <laughs> so he's on a surfboard right now, just like, probably not going to do that, Nick. That's bald. Yeah. I, I just love, if the Oilers get Carlson and another good player, they'll be good. Yeah, I know. That's a great point. Can I remind you that I got two hours on this show, <laughs> and we got to talk about something? They They stink. McDavid's asking no, for a I don't think that they stink. They just need some help on the blue line. They don't stink. As presently constituted, they stink. Evander Kane comes back. Hyman. Nugent Hopkins is having a good year. This is actually a nice save. Dreisaitl. McDavid. Hyman. Worth the money. Okay. Uh, so I got some Hyman stuff to give you whenever you're yeah. ready for numbers. Okay. Are we not going into... Uh, uh, Factor fiction or... Useful or useless? Useful. <laughs> burning, we're going to do burning it's questions. It's the same we're thing when we're talking analytics. We're going to do burning 100%. questions, Kipper, okay? Yeah, but, burning questions. Your favorite ooh, color is... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to win the scoring title? On <laughs> 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 our burning questions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh. <laughs> Here we go. Um... Do you want the Hyman-related stuff first? Yes. Just, just at random? Here, here are the five top five in the NHL in shots from the slot. Matthews is number one. Do you want to take a guess at number two? He's a very good goal scorer, historically. Uh, uh, Marchand, Pasternak. Pasternak is, is in the top five. Okay. He's fifth. Pasternak. Alex Ovechkin is number two. Oh, okay, yeah. Number well, three he- is Zach Hyman. We're talking Matthews, Pasternak, yeah, he's in Ovechkin, very good company. Hyman. Uh, scoring chances off offensive zone play. Here's the top five. There's four names. Matthews, Kyle Connor, Mark Stone, Tage Thompson. Third in that group is Zach Hyman. Like elite, elite offensive creator. And he writes children's books. I know. I think he's tied with Matthews in actual goals. Maybe what he's ahead he of Matthews. Do? He's three points back of Matthews. Three points back and tied in goals. Mm-hmm. Five million, mm-hmm. four checks like hell. Mm-hmm. Just thought I'd have a little Hyman discussion. They are conference final close. The Oilers. Yes. It's just because the rest of the division's soft. Yes, and that blue line is just not good enough. And if it's when you're so bad in one area and you can fix it up a little bit, they you can two. see how they could they take real strides. Two. Yeah. And, and I know and I, I, soon people are saying Edmonton soon. The, the Hail Mary is I threw out two unbelievable names, but it doesn't. Yeah, maybe it's not uh, Carlson. Maybe it is Chikrin and uh, Edmondson. Mm-hmm. And then 
where are they in the pecking order in the West? Well, that certainly changes things significantly. You get those two defensemen. Yeah, you're you're at the top. Yeah, yeah, you're you're there. With you're, you're there with and, everybody. You're, yeah. you're right there with everybody. Yeah. And what does Edmondson and even a Chikrin do to your goaltenders, which will always be a question mark in experience from Skinner and uh, inconsistency from Jack Campbell? But how much better do they get automatically with two better defenders? Yeah, just drastically different. I agree. That's so. That's where the, the Oilers need to go here. That's Kenny where Holland, Kenny Holland needs to go. Time to get aggressive. Two, two defensemen. Get your first rounders ready. Get your prospect ready. Lose Puliarvi salary. Lose Tyson Berry salary. Start opening up some room. Puliarvi is uh, an interesting case because you know they don't like him, and he's not been good, given a lot but, of opportunity. But, but, okay, does it cost you a third to get rid of him? Get rid of him. Yeah, I think a lot what, of teams what, take him. Just I think a lot of teams to take him. I don't think it costs you that. Okay. Yeah. Good. Um, so we are first one positive thing: the uh, Sport Logic tracks defensive plays, which is like a blocked pass, a blocked shot, a just touches involvement in the D zone. Yes. So forwards defensive plays in the NHL. Third in the NHL is Patrice Bergeron. 104th in the league total. Doesn't matter. 189 defensive plays. Second in the league is Philip Deneau. He's made 195 defensive plays. First in the league among forwards is Austin Matthews, who is 70 better than Deneau with 265 defensive plays. It was you who has said if he adjusted his game and backed off the goals and picked up this part, first in the NHL in defensive plays by a good margin. Okay. Okay. Useful or useless? Very useful. All right. The eye test proves that. Love that. I I was fascinated by that. Because, yeah, there's a price to pay. Yeah. And I I love the fact that, uh, you know, even though it may be a tough game tonight, learn more about your players. You know what Austin Matthews is going to give you in game one. He will step on the ice. He will be... A dangerous shooter. The most dangerous, if not uh, as dangerous as anyone else on the ice. Yeah. And that will that will be a given if he scores 39 goals this year or 60 this year. Yep. Love it. Um, one for your boy, uh, Mitch Marner here. So opposition dump in, recovery to exit. So forwards rarely go back on recoveries unless they're guys who drop in and and help out the D quite a bit. Especially wingers. Especially wingers. The top five in the NHL among forwards who help turn dump ins from the other team into breakouts, it's Kopitar, Deneau, Jordan Stahl, Mitch Marner. So Mitch Marner involved with some elite Selkie winning type of guys turning the puck the right way for the Leafs. You know how I feel. He's he's the key. He's the engine. All of a sudden, Tavares is going again it's because of mitch marner you know what's interesting is marner is um in terms of uh possession generating plays or sorry what do they call it possession driving plays he is the top leaf um it's marner nylander matthews who's quite a bit down but top offense generating plays it's matthews nylander marner in terms of when they get into the other end creating passes whatever so marner does a lot of the work getting the play into the right end of the rink for them. Um, here's some goofy little ones. Most icings among defensemen. Toronto Maple Leafs have one guy who is in the worst, the bottom five in icings by a defenseman. Easy. Kipper's going to get it. I, uh, Hall. No. Nope. It's not. Hall's, uh, he's in the mix, but he's not in the bottom five. 
It's Gio. not one of the younger. No, it's definitely not one of the younger guys. Gio. <laughs> it is Gio. <laughs> it's Gio. Gio, but what this is what interests me. He so ice he, is a puck he's iced it 26 time. times this year. That seems low. Look at the group of names he's with, though. It's Rasmus Dahlin, Chris Letang, Shane Gostisbehere, and Dougie Hamilton. So I don't know if you learn anything from that or not, but that's weird to me that it's like a bunch of pretty good offensive guys, but guys who take shots yeah. down the up the ice. Or I don't know if it's just a speed thing too for him, where he's a Let little the puck f- do the work. Well, no, he's just maybe a little bit more flat-footed than a lot of these guys who are just busting the zone. I think that's it. I think he'd rather let the puck just you know instead of me trying to skate it out or make a play with yeah. it. Uh, interesting note on Alex Kerfoot. Most icings among Leaf forwards, Kerfoot. Mm-hmm. Most offsides among Leafs forwards, Kerfoot. <laughs> Most offensive zone penalties on Leafs forwards, yeah. Kerfoot and Tavares well, and Bunting all tied. You know what would be interesting? How many? You know what is would that, be interesting for me is five. Is if if they were able to break that down into uh, what portion of the game? How many of these are in the last two minutes? When we've seen goalies pulled for two and three minutes to go, two and a half minutes to go for uh, for longer. empty nets, yeah. And I don't care what era we're in or what mm-hmm. statistics say. If you got a chance to not ice the puck, yeah, why why do they still ice the puck and not give a crap? I don't get that. Yeah, I'm at the mercy of losing a face off for giving up a scoring opportunity within what seconds with a face off deep yeah. in our zone. I don't understand if you can just lay one down there yeah. or gain the red line. Why Why are they so easy to ice the puck and not give a crap? Yeah, I would say I think games, like the time on the clock has a lot to do with it. I think there's the idea that if you score, which you have maybe a one in three chance of scoring on a shot from down the rink, it ends the game. You know, you're up two, that's the official end of the game, whatever. If you don't score... What percentage of the time does the other team win the draw and score? 10% of the time? Seven? I don't know. So I think the idea, but then the puck's in your end and you're, I don't think it's as black and white to shoot for the net every time. I'm not that far analytically twisted. I think they're all just cookie monsters. Agree. Well, do you think it feels good for the Washington Capitals throwing Ovi over the boards when the net's empty? Like, surely he's not the foremost shot-blocking defensive stalwart, is he? Maybe. They're not saying anything bad about Ovi. No, it's and good. don't call him Shirley. We'll leave that with a, we'll leave that with a party. What's that? We'll leave you say the bad things about Ovi. Yeah, it's <laughs> in my domain this season. I'm heading to the game tonight. You want me to apologize to that woman that you stepped on her foot last time I took you to no, the alumni Step on it again. Kipper, Send a message for Kipper's me. Kipper's not going to the game. He's going to the sheriff club. <laughs> <laughs> not a chance. All they do is just pour me shots there. I don't like it. <laughs> I'm not dying like it by the end of the night. <laughs> Is that different from our show? All right. Uh, who do we thank? David everyone. Amber? Yes. Jason York? Yes. And Willie? Willie Doncic, former Toronto Blue Jay. How cool is that? Very cool. Who wins tonight? <sighs> Leafs do OT. Wow. Without Austin Matthews. Yep. Heard it here first. Two Enjoy one. the game, everybody. We're back tomorrow to give you our thoughts on the Real Kipper and Bourne Show.